Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. If you've been reading through Romans, you've you've read all of uh, Romans except for the last two or three chapters, and uh, what I want to do tonight is kind of go into the middle of Romans and give you an overview of a method of sharing the gospel called the Romans Road. You've probably heard of this before. Uh, perhaps you've never learned it, or maybe you have it memorized. You know, But these are verses that you really should have memorized that will help you share the gospel with other people. Okay, And um, this is, uh, it's not the only way to share the gospel. You can share the gospel in John chapter 3 very easily. There's, a, there's just a, a clear plan there. You can share the gospel of Ephesians chapter 2. That's a very clear, easy way. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 starts off with the gospel. You know, so there are other passages that you can use to share the gospel. But the Romans road is very easy to, to memorize. It's, and it, and it, kinda, it, do, it doesn't quite go, pretty much goes in order from the beginning of Romans to the end of Romans. And it starts in Romans chapter 3. And Paul in um, chapter 3 verse 21 starts arguing about how justification by faith in Christ alone is the remedy for sins. Justification by faith in Christ alone is the remedy for sins. See, there, even in the early church, there was a lot of false teaching running around. Uh, we talked about that last week in Acts, how the Judaizers would come in behind Paul and say, hey, you, what Paul said was great, but you got to be circumcised, you got to keep the law of Moses, or you can't be saved. And Paul had to go to the council at Jerusalem and get Peter, James, and John, you know, and and say, please, tell, you know, set forth an edict and tell everybody it's okay. And they did. So uh, Paul says um, in Romans chapter 3, he starts this, this argument that justification is by faith in Christ alone. And he starts off by defining justification. In order to define justification, you have to show why justification is needed. Nobody who's not accused stands up in court to defend themselves. The only reason you stand in court to defend yourself is because you've been accused of something. So you need to be justified, right? Now, the difference between a person who stands in court, to be, in, in human court, to be, uh, uh, to be justified and us, when it comes to standing before the bar of God to be justified, is the person in human court may be innocent, and he's trying to prove his innocence. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we are guilty already, every one of us. Before the bar of God, we're all guilty. And so Paul starts explaining this and showing that we all need justification because we're all guilty. So the very first part of the Romans road is Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody who's ever been born on this planet is a sinner. Everybody. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's good. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because there are no good people. In fact, Paul goes on to explain that. Um, if you go back to verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's no one that understands. There's no one that seeks after God. 
Everyone has gone out of the way. Everyone has become unprofitable. No one does good. No, not one. There's not a person on this earth that really does good. Okay? We try. We do our best, but we always fail. We fail at almost every attempt we make. We never do the good we should be doing. You know, I've, I shared this with you before, but the, Patty and I went to the Billy Graham Library a few, uh, a few weeks ago, and um, it reminded me of an interview I saw with Billy Graham on Larry King Live back in the mid to late 90s. And Larry King said, you know, Billy, when you look back on your career, you know, you've, you've played golf with presidents. You've, you know, you've, you've preached the gospel to millions. I mean, you've been on television. You've, you're probably the most influential Christian speaker since Paul. He says, what do you think of your life? He says, I just know, I just know what a failure I've been. And Larry King says, a failure? He goes, yeah. He says, I've played golf with the presidents too often. I could have held revivals and, 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 and crusades instead of playing golf with Nixon and Carter and Ford. He says, I, I, could, I, I could have been out on the street witnessing. He says, I'm just an absolute failure. He says, I did not give my whole life to Christ the way I should have. Now, that's Billy Graham saying that. He recognized that he was not always who he should be. Correct? Mm -hmm. So all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And why has everybody, why has everybody sinned? Go over to chapter 5, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man, that's being Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. See, the reason we're all sinners is because Adam's blood runs through all of our veins. It's not Eve's sin that's counted to us, it's Adam's sin. Eve was deceived, Adam intentionally ate. Okay? Adam intentionally ate of the fruit. He, in fact, I think Adam was standing right there watching Eve talk to the serpent and watched her take the bite. Because in the text it says she turned to her husband, basically. I think he was standing right there. I think it was the first great moral failure of men when it comes to their wives. Adam should have stood up. He should have pulled Eve away and said, no. And said to the serpent, stop talking to my wife. <laughs> Stay away. He should have stood up for her. That was his first failure right there. And then he intentionally ate. And because he ate, his sin is passed down through us. When you, count, when you go, I know we, we do all the DNA stuff and all that kind of stuff, and everybody's looking at the Ancestry.com. And, you know, and, I, and honestly, for me to, to really look through my ancestry, I've got to go through my mom because my dad's first generation. I mean, we don't know anybody before my dad's grandfather. But my dad's grandfather was adopted in 1889. There's no records. We don't know where he came from. We can't trace the blood back. You know, there's no way to do that. So, you know, so I, I run my genealogy back through my, through my mother's side, and, and that's where I know I have American Indian, I have Scottish, and such, such and such. Um, but it's by the blood that sin is transmitted, and it's through the father that the blood is created. There's no blood in an egg. The, the sperm creates the blood. It carries the DNA to create the blood. Because the blood is the life. There's life in the sperm, right? That's, that, that's why your father's sin, it says the sins of the fathers carry on down to the son. Not the sins of the mother. Okay? So, wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, therefore death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Okay, so what's so bad about sin? Go over to chapter 6. Verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, 
but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the problem with sin. The wages, the payment for sin is death. Over in James it says sin occurs when a man's tempted uh, and then he gives into the temptation and then sin conceives, uh, uh, the lust conceives and creates sin and sin when it's finished brings death. Right? Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be sexual sin. It could be thievery, it could be alcoholism, it could be whatever. It could be all sorts of things that, that the sin is. But any, any sin is enough to cause you to have the sentence of death on you. Any sin. There's no such thing as a white lie. It's all lies. Back in fact, Jesus said, when you speak, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And anything other than that's of the devil. <laughs> anything other than yes or no is of the devil. It's like when I would ask people, are you coming to church this Sunday? Well, if the Lord's will in the creek, don't rise. You liar. You ain't coming to church. Because if you're coming to church, you say yes. But you didn't want to have to say no to the preacher. Correct? That's how people are, you know? And so any sin is enough to send you to hell. The wages of sin is death. But, and here's where we turn the corner, the gift of God <coughs> is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I didn't put this in here because I wanted you to have to write something down tonight. But write down underneath Romans 6.23, write down Romans 5. Eight, and then turn back there. Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now here's the good news. This is where the good news starts. We've been talking about sin and what the consequences of sin is. But now, as we're talking to people about Jesus, we can turn the corner and start talking about the positive parts of the gospel. We say, but God shows us how much he loves us in that while we were still sinning, while we were still filthy sinners, Christ died for us. Here's the difference, okay? We like to think Jesus died for us because we're good people. He didn't die for us as good people. He died for people who were sinners. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He also died on the cross for John Wayne Gacy's sins and for Jeffrey Dahmer's sins and for Adolf Hitler, Osama bin Laden's. He died for all sin. When Jesus hung on the cross, he took the sin of pedophilia on him. He took the sin of sexual abuse. He took the sin of racism. He took, this, he took all sins upon him on the cross. That's a hard lesson to learn. And the, the hardest lesson of that is that all those sins are the exact same thing. All I am is a liar. You're no better than a pedophile. If your only sin is lying, you're no better. Because all sin sin. We like to give sin grades, you know. I think it's part of that, the Catholic Church tradition where, you know, we have venial sins and mortal sins and all that kind of stuff. There's no such thing as a venial sin and a mortal sin. They're all mortal. All sins mortals. All sins are going to send you to hell. There's not, doesn't matter what sin it is. Sin in and of itself will send you to hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And God shows us how much he loved us and that while we were still murderers and adulterers and blasphemers and pedophiles and liars and thieves, Christ died for us. He didn't die for good people. He didn't die for church people. He died for stinking, rotten sinners like you.
and me. Amen? Amen. That's who he died for. He died for us when we were the worst. Now, at this point, as you're talking to somebody about the gospel, you can, you can take them, if you want, over to John chapter 1920. Uh, you can take them to Matthew at the end, and you can talk about the crucifixion of Christ and the fact that he was buried in the tomb and the fact that he rose to new life, right? Those are things that you can talk about. about that's how he paid the price, going to the cross for us. And then at some point as you're talking to people about Jesus, you, you need to be listening for the Holy Spirit's prompting. You need to be listening for God to be speaking to your heart and telling you, now's the time. And, 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 and just let them know, if you want to, you can accept Christ right now. If you want to. Now, I don't, I don't push people too hard on that. I don't, I don't try to push people just so I get a confession, you know, just so I can get... You know, somebody said, said, you know, say uh, somebody, you know, prayed the prayers just so I can write their name in the back of my Bible, whatever. But I always try to tell people, if you want to right now, you can accept him as Savior. You don't have to wait. Now, if you're not ready, I understand. I'm not going to push you, but because that's your your decision. And saying a prayer doesn't save you anyway. Most people who say the prayer's prayer were saved before they said, prayed that prayer because their heart had already turned to Christ. Praying is just, there, is just a way of affirming what you've already experienced in your heart. It's really what it is. You know, when I'm, when I'm preaching in a church and I ask people to come forward, I don't expect them to come forward and get saved when they come forward. I expect that they're already saved. <laughs> they're in their seats because the Holy Spirit's been pressing on them and they know their need and they've turned to Christ in their heart. Now come forward, let me, let's help you confirm that. Let's help you know that that's true. Let's take some Bible verses to show you that you can, you can trust what just happened to you. You know, like I would read John 5, 24. You know, verily, verily, I say to you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Right? So, you know, um, something like that. But at some point, you have, to, you have to kind of draw the net. You know, if you go fishing... And you get a bite, and you just hold the rod, that fish might stay there. It might shake the hook, but you'll never bring it in unless you start reeling. Most likely, you need to set it first, too, right? Got some fishermen in here? You feel that little tug, you know that that, that hook's in the mouth, so now you gotta yank it to, a side, to the side and hope that you're not yanking it straight out of its mouth, but to the side so that it hooks the mouth. Now you've got the fish. Now you can reel them in. Okay? When you're taught, and Jesus said he makes us fishers of men. The, that's the analogy he uses. Keep pulling that cord and knocking it over. Um, but here's what, here's what you do. At some point, you turn the corner. As you're telling somebody about Jesus, you have to turn the corner. And you have to look them in the eye and say, are you ready to accept Christ? Is that something that you're ready to do right now? Is that, is that where you're at in your life? And if you are, let's go over to Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. Now, well, let's go back to verse 8 for just a second. He says, The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. What's the word of faith? Paul's, Paul's arguing here. He says, here's the word of faith, verse 9. 
that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now what I like to do in that is I like, I like to let people know that, you know, <clears throat> that is a very personal passage there. Paul's writing to a group of people and to the church at large in, in, in a way. But the pronouns there in the Greek are, are pointing outward. They're pointing to some, someone. You know, if those were why, if, they, if in the King James it said ye, then he's saying anybody, everybody. But he's saying in the King James it says thee, to, to delineate that in the Greek this pronoun is very personal and it's, and it's pointing to you, saying you. You, if you, so I like to take and put the person's name in there. So I'll just put my name in there. That if David shall confess with David's mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in David's heart that God has raised him from the dead, David shall be saved. That's, the, that's it right there. That's, if, you're, if you believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead and you're willing to confess it with your mouth, you say, do I have to say it out loud? Well, kind of, because Romans chapter 10, verse 11, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Right? That's the problem. See, if you're not willing to confess it with your mouth, if you're not willing to be open about it, you know, I, when I, um, pastoring, I had a, several people ask me if I could baptize them privately because I'm embarrassed I don't want to be in front of people. My, my answer is always no, I cannot baptize you privately. Why not? Because baptism is a public profession of faith. If I'm not in front of people, there's no public profession. You know, when we baptized at the beach back in May, I thought we were just going to have, you know, a dozen witnesses. Ended up we had several dozen witnesses because the people on the beach saw what we were doing. Everybody started huddling around. You guys had 20, 30 people out there on the side coming up into the water to watch what was happening. You know, um, that's... That's baptism. It's a public profession of faith. And here Paul says, you've got to confess with your mouth. And then we're going to get the naysayers today, you know, the people who are always saying, but what if, what if a person's mute? Okay, if they're mute, then they speak in sign language, and you lead them to Christ in sign language. Right? <laughs> you know, that's all there is to it, you know. It's still a public profession. Well, that's something that's private to me. I mean, faith is private to me. No, it's not. If your faith is private to you, you don't have faith. If you believe in the one true living God, your faith is public. It has to be. Otherwise, it's fake. You have to be out there. The Bible very clearly says that we are called to be a peculiar people, a people who stand apart, who show who we are, who we're not afraid. We don't, we're not undercover Christians. You can't be undercover Christians. So you have to confess with your mouth, believe it in your heart. For the scripture says, whosoever will believe it in him shall not be ashamed. Okay? And then verse 13. For whosoever, whosoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anybody can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Anybody. There is nobody too far gone. As a matter of fact, I would say to you that that... Guy or gal in your shop that you think is absolutely unreachable might be the most reachable person you know. They're probably hurting really bad and they need something. You know? 
My wife and I have discovered one thing in ministry that is so true. Hurting people hurt people. And the guy or the gal that's always down your throat, that's always angry, that's always shouting, that's always mean to you, that person is hurting. That person, their life is falling apart. And they desperately need someone to just come up to them and let them know, I'm praying for you. I'm here for you. If you ever need to talk, just let me know. And you'll probably get cussed out when you do it. But you planted the seed. That's it. You planted the seed. You never know when that's going to come back around to you. You just never know. You just got to keep at it and keep at it and keep at it. Because anybody can get saved. Anybody can find faith in Christ. So when the opportunity presents itself, you have, a, you have a game plan now. You start off, we're all sinners. Me too, I'm a sinner. If you can't convince someone that they're, just, they're a sinner, use the Ten Commandments. Say, if, you, if you're convinced that you're a good person, let's ask you, let's ask you a few questions for the Ten Commandments. Just say, have you ever told a lie? Shake your head like this. Every one of us, right? What does that make you? Oh, well... One lie doesn't make me a liar. Well, you have not told just one lie in your life. Correct? And how many lies does it take for me to say to you before you label me a liar? Just one. Okay, so I'm a liar for one lie, but you're not. Okay, let me ask you something. You ever stolen anything? From the bank? A little pen? You know, from the office? Let's ask you this. Maybe you haven't stolen anything material. Have you stolen someone else's happiness? Oh, that's harsh, isn't it? Right? You ever looked at someone else with lust in your heart? Yeah, every single one of us. All right, that's just three of the Ten Commandments. You want me to go to the other seven? Because if you've never been in church every day, you've already, I mean, Right? You can, every single person here has broken every one of the Ten Commandments. In fact, those really aren't Ten Commandments. They are Ten Observations on the Human Spirit. That is who we are. All right? And, and God's saying, this is who you are, and this is what you've got to stop. So if somebody doesn't want to believe that they're a sinner, take them to the Ten Commandments. There's an old adage in evangelism. You give grace to the humble and the law to the proud. When a person is, when a person is, re- is Yes, I'm a sinner. I know it. Don't belabor the point and try to convince them they're a sinner. They know. All right, now it's time to hop over to Romans 5.8. It's time to hop over to Romans 10.9. Let them people know how they can find, find Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? But when you have a proud person, you might have to linger in chapter 3 for a little while. You might have to read some of those verses that say stuff about how there's poison of snakes under their, uh, you know, the, their throat is an open grave. Their tongues have used the seed. The poison of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery in their ways. The way of peace they have not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. There are some people you need to read that to. Right? Understand that as you share the gospel with people, you have to be attuned into who they are. What their situation in life is. What, they, what they've, you know, where, where they're coming from. Because not everybody's the same. You know? When we came down here three years ago, one of the early mistakes we made was assuming certain things about Marines. 
And after about a year, we came to realize there is no two Marines that are alike. Y'all are as different as night and day, every one of you. And not all of you come from great backgrounds. Some of you got into the Marine Corps to get out of home, right? Some of you come from great homes, and you can't wait to get back to mom and dad and, and say hi. But some of you, that's not true, you know? It, everybody's different. So we've learned, we learned very quickly, wait a second, this is just like church ministry. Everybody's different, you know? And when you're sharing the gospel, understand that. Not everybody gets reached the exact same way. These verses I'm telling you about, this is just a roadmap for you to follow. Sometimes you got to take detours because you're always going to have that person going, well, what about the dinosaurs? <laughs> well, who says, who says Moses had to take full-grown animals on the ark? Couldn't he have taken babies? That would have made a lot more room, wouldn't it? Why did he have to take a buck with full antlers? Couldn't he have just taken two fawns, right? One male, one female, right? Let them grow up on the ark, you know? Was there a stegosaurus on the ark? If it was, it was probably still an egg, right? <laughs> That's all there is to it, you know? But you're going to get those kind of questions. So sometimes you're going to have to take detours. You get them, but the, your whole goal is to get them back on the road. Get them back on the Romans. Sometimes the best answer when people ask you a question is, hey, that's a great question, and I want to answer that, but let's finish this first. I'll, let me tell you what I want to tell you first, and then we'll answer those questions. Because sometimes if you can get them to admit their sin and see their need and they come to Christ, you don't need to answer those questions anymore. Those questions start answering themselves as the Holy Spirit indwells them. You know? So sometimes apologetics is good, and defense of the faith is good, and you should know how to. Sometimes you don't have to. You know, if you're, if you're attuned to what the Holy Spirit's saying to you while you're talking, he'll tell you what to say. And he'll let you know who needs what. And like I said, you'll be surprised. The hardest cases sometimes are actually the easiest. They really are. So questions, comments, observations. Um, if you, do you have like a buddy or a friend and you know you share the gospel with them, and you know they're they're uh, like accepting of it. They're you know they're interested and they're ready to like, take that next step. Um, like, what's like the next step from there? Is it like like get them plugged into like your church? Like get them, get them yeah. baptized? Yeah, the next step is baptism. You know, I mean, you don't need to be baptized to go to heaven, but baptism is the very first step that an obedient believer takes because Christ commanded it. Because Christianity is not an individual faith. It's a community faith. It's the only reason I shout, it's, it's Friday, and you guys shout back, Sunday's coming, because I'm trying to remind you, you cannot be a Christian if you're not involved with the church. Christ left us the Bible and the church. That's all he left us. You know, And the way you go into the church, most of the time, is through baptism. You, get, you call on Christ as Savior and you're baptized as a member of that church or, or however, you know, if, or if you've already you know, been baptized, you're going to get baptized as a, a member of a, a transfer your letter from another church or something like that. Um, so, yeah, first step is baptism. Then after that, it's a matter of regular Bible study, prayer, you know, the spiritual disciplines. So, but the first step is baptism in a church, because if there's not, if they're not folded into a church quickly, they're going to fall away quickly. Right.
Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.